So we were trying to kind of go with that sort of vibe. And so, so you know, we, we just had this overarching thing about like money, luck, and love, right? That's if what you guys don't make a t-shirt or a hoodie with that on it, I mean, that is gold. Mojo left the sack. Now she doesn't love me back. That is the crying your beer. Perfect. Perfect line. Seriously. That belongs on a t-shirt. It's this, this, you know, now that you mentioned that, uh, you're listening to the local open mic podcast. I'm your host, Tim Heath. The act Americana trio is a group that gets the whole modern folk vibe with tight harmonies, meaningful lyrics, and an earthy, organic musical sound. Andre, Chris, and Taryn began their relationship of collaboration some five years ago, finding common ground in the Americana sound. The backstory to each of the four songs we will hear today are sure to make you fans. Their recently released EP, True North, is already getting airplay in both Canada and the U.S. Stay tuned as we talk to the Act Americana Trio. And we have with us today the Act Americana Trio. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Okay. You should each introduce yourself so we can start to identify with a voice. Okay. So, Andre, you first. Oh, hi, everybody. My name is uh, Andre Chris. Um, I sing and uh, play guitar in the Act Americana Trio. Chris. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Locke. I also sing and play guitar and dobro and mandolin, etc. in the Act Americana Trio. Yay, and Taryn. Um, yeah, my name is Taryn Larange, and I uh, do the same thing. I'm part of the Act Americana Trio, writing, writing songs and singing harmonies. This sounds a little bit like the Mouseketeer Club. Yeah. Nico, Chris, <laughs> Taryn. Right? <laughs> I wish yeah. I had the Mickey Mouse uh, music queued up. I'd probably use it right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I digress here. So I was going to say none of us have big floppy ears, though. So. <laughs> the only one with big ears in my family is my brother. And uh, <laughs> since he'll never listen to this podcast, I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us uh, what's been going on this last year that you think is relevant for your fans to know about. Well, I guess the the big news for us is that we have, uh, during the last year of the pandemic, we recorded a bunch of the songs that we had written together uh, and uh, came up, uh, put it all together into an EP, which was just released on the 25th of March. It's called True North, and we are excited about it. Well, yeah. I mean, I've heard the music. We're going to play some of it uh, later and get the stories behind each of those songs. Uh, Great, great first effort. Andre! You know, yeah, the year has just been wrapped up in us being so excited about... um about getting this this record out and all the steps that go into it um uh, we were recording with um uh, steve dawson and the hen house express that helped us put together the album and it was just a real you know interesting way of working in the pandemic you know not being able to be in in person and live it just it just turned into a real sort of interesting situation so we're just kind of getting over that arc now of the whole you know making the record and the creativity and everything that went into it 
and now we're sort of moved into the the phase where we're doing our best to try to get everybody to we're trying to get the the music out there and and hopefully get get some ears tuned into our songs so taryn we know a little bit uh about you from your most recent update but is there anything else you want to add yeah i guess just just that we we wrote the songs for the actually guys did we write did we write some of the songs for the EP virtually? Yeah, we wrote, no, no, no. We wrote all of these songs not virtually, but we, we were getting together on Sundays uh, before COVID, like in person. And then during COVID, we, because of social distancing and also because I, I moved away during COVID for, for a bit and, um, well, for all of COVID, but um, so we had to record the EP at a distance distance so like none of this was recorded in studios altogether including the hen house express it was like nashville sending files to to steve dawson in nashville so it was and i i mean none of us have ever done any recording that way so but we made it happen so i think even though it was a little bit challenging and not because it wasn't fun like the the guys would be the first to say just the technology was like kind of you know, not as great as doing stuff in person, but I think it's actually in hindsight kind of really cool that we got through that and, and it came out as good as it did in, in a lot of ways. And uh, I was just talking to a bunch of people at Creative BC that is a arts funding organization in Vancouver, Canada that fund, funds a lot of product uh, projects like this and everybody's project was done this way during COVID and everybody's been having like kind of challenges with their projects in the way that they're kind of complaining about them. And a lot of people aren't even putting their projects out. And then they're saying, oh, well, that was just kind of the COVID funded project. And like, we can't wait till the studios open again and we get back to normal. So I think that I'm pretty proud of this trio that we finish the project all online or, you know, like by long distance, I guess, or whatever in a non-traditional studio way. And that we are, that we put it out. I think that's a, a big success for COVID musicians, like musicians during COVID. Like, so that's cool. Cause I guess what I'm saying is a lot of projects got done, but didn't get released because the quality was so different. So I was, imp- I, I think we managed to get a quality. I mean, it helps that Andre and Chris have their own home studios and they know what they're doing that way. So, and it was perfect timing because Chris has been taking all this um, mixing experience with at Berkeley online. And then I'm kind of bragging for them because they probably won't, but (laughs) they're too humble that way. But like Chris has a really like become a really good mixer at the perfect time. And then Andre's had lots of experience with that music mixing and recording from his jobs in audio production and recording from the past. And yeah, so it just was, it was good that way. So uh, let me ask you, uh, the three of you, what do you have coming up uh, that fans are going to want to like maybe put on their calendar, any concerts, any, anything significant you think they should know about? Sadly, we're not in the same city. So performing live for us right now is, is a challenge. So what I think we're probably going to do is we have a whole bunch of songs uh, that we didn't record that we think we are record, you know, are fairly decent quality that we would like to get out there as well. 
And we also, like one of the, our favorite things to do is to write together. And so we're going to, our plan, I think, is after we get, as soon as we get over the, the sort of the promotional hump of this latest EP is to continue writing and to think, consider uh, recording our next batch of tunes. So next batch, would that be another four or six or? I think we'd probably go, um, well, depending on, on what kind of works up, but I think we'd probably look at doing kind of EPs, like a, a string of EPs, because that sort of seemed to work with the, with the sort of format we're working in now. So when you have enough songs, are you going to put some of these together in a CD to sell or strictly stay in that digital realm? That's a really interesting question that I think a lot of bands are are dealing with now because uh, you know in past projects I've always put out uh, physical things so CDs and I even did a vinyl record wow. uh, but that was sort of that was sort of part of the game back then and now unless people you know are interested in that sort of artifact of the CD you know so many people don't even can't even put CDs in their computers and and don't actually have CD players at home so I, I think that the way things are kind of going, it probably we'd probably stick with digital only releases unless there was a real like a, an ask from our fans that they really wanted something like this. Well, nearly everybody I find I interview are doing CDs. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily mass production. Some of them, they just, you know, print off enough for the occasion, you know, on demand yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's one artist that uh, I'll mention here. Uh, if you haven't listened to his podcast, it's very interesting, his story. His name is Reinhard Burr, and he does ambient music. And he sells, every time he's out on a weekend busking, he sells about 80 CDs. Wow. And that's just to people that come by, listen, move on with their lives, they stop, they buy a CD and, and go on. He said his best weekend was 300. You know, he hosts this thing at Bandcamp and he also gives a, a thing where they can download the digital medium uh, if they want. Bandcamp, mm -hmm. I guess, does that. He said that he finds that people like to have a physical thing as they leave. He can't explain it. It's not because he's a marketing guru or anything. He just... And then I found that uh, most most buskers now... Are starting to include CDs. Yeah, you guys, I realize aren't buskers exactly, but uh, getting your music out there. Even the uh, Mona Lisa Twins, for example, they're online. Uh, you should look them up too. They sell vinyl and CDs as well as their digital stuff, and they do really well. People like to have things autographed, and you can't autograph a digital, you know, thing. So uh, they're willing to autograph everything they sell. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, CDs, that's a great point. Yeah. CDs are not probably the focus of everybody, but it's it almost goes into that category of, are they going to buy a t-shirt also? Yeah, it's like you know? merch. Yeah, so it's there's, like merch. It, it becomes merch like a t-shirt or a hat. You know, get the CD and they'll sign it for you, um, where they probably wouldn't sign a mug or a hat, you know, so... Kind of interesting. I'll tell you what, let's talk about the very first song we want to do. It's the title song, True North. So who wants to start talking about that and how you wrote it, what you were thinking of with the lyrics and things? Give us that background. Well, maybe maybe I'll start because it, it, it started with 
with with a very uh, it started kind of weirdly i was writing songs with a, a woman in toronto one of our habits that we had was to try to define for each song that we were writing like what's the elevator pitch that describes the essence of that song and then for to make sure that every line uh that we write in the tune contributes to that ele- you know to what the essence of this what the song is about just a little songwriting tip that we tried to adopt. And we called that little elevator pitch thing True North. And one day, we, the three of us, Andre and Taryn and I, were getting together to write a song. And I had one of this, these songs that I had written with Stephanie sitting on the table with the True North written right out, splashed across the top. And Andre came in, took a look at down at that and said, True North, hey, that's a cool name for a song. And so that's what we did that <laughs> sure day. Was we, we, we wrote a, a song based on what he saw. I really like your music. I, I think I've told Taryn before that it's a, there's a Crosby, Stills, Nash sort of vibe as well as a Mamas and Papas harmony vibe there too. Really good music. And, and those are all compliments, by the way. People are going to like this. This is called... True North. Wake up to the AM band, talking heads are chattering. I ain't buying into this again. Pack up my duffel bag, settle up my motel tab, gas her up, I'm never. True North, lead me home Before the sun gets too low True North, lead me home Let True North, lead me home Before the sun gets too low
Tim. Good song. Yeah. Now, Chris, is hey. that you singing the lead on it? No, it's actually Andre. Andre, okay. I see. I don't know your voices yet enough to even guess that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good. Good song. I think people are gonna really like that. I know I do. I like it. I think I've heard each of these songs at one point or another. You know, as you uh, were doing them and. Um, Anyway, d- d- wonderful songs. So um, I just wanted to maybe <clears throat> if I could say that, you know, like one of the when we were initially writing that song, we were kind of we wanted to write like a, a road song or a travel song. Yeah, it has that vibe. You know, sort of, yeah, sort of one of the, you know, like sort of one of the uh, aspects of Amer- Americana music that I sort of remember is, is those songs that had that truck driver feel kind of that that sort of propulsive rhythm i'm thinking of like you know like eddie rabbits driving my life away oh. or songs like that so those those were the, the sort of songs that kind of informed yeah. arlo we guthrie type doing. stuff yeah. yeah 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 ah really good i i enjoy that so okay i tell you what why don't we notch back uh five six years let's go back to the last five or six years and Get, you know, each of you talking about what led up to you meeting and becoming uh, the act. Well, I'll, I'll start. I'll do my little elevator pitch about how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, uh, um, doing my own sort of singer-songwriter projects and was really hoping to um, uh, get a handle on what co-writing was all about. And then I saw that um, um, one of the music industry associations uh, was uh, putting together this songwriting program called the Canadian songwriting challenge. And so I signed up for it and that's where I met Taryn and Chris. And uh, it was um, a program that went over a few days where you got, you got thrown into co-writing groups and you had to come out uh, with a song. So that's essentially where we met. I don't know, Chris, you want to pick it up? I don't have too much to add to that because that's exactly what happened. The thing is that I remember the first night of the very, we, we went to about three of those workshops in successive years together. But I remember the first workshop, the first of those that I attended, they had this uh, kind of uh, get, to, get to know you session uh, at a bar. And uh, the very first person that I met at that session was Andre. I don't know if you remember Andre, but it was down in a basement bar somewhere on Granville Street. And, and when Andre said that he, he was talking about some of his uh, inf- musical influences and he mentioned the name of the singer-songwriter, uh, Jason Isbell, I, on my ears kind of popped up and I thought, oh, this is a guy who 
is interested in similar kind of musical genre that I am. And so, uh, so that's kind of how we, we kind of met. And then Taryn, Taryn is a master at putting people together. And so she's really re like, we all knew each other from this, these workshops, but she's kind of responsible for kind of gluing us together uh, as a, as a songwriting trio. So, so actually each, so each of you, uh, when did all this happen? Uh, just a couple years ago or about five years ago was the first of the, of the workshops where we were all that, that we all attended. So that's where we met. And then we went to successive workshops together. And at some point, Taryn pulled us together to start writing together. But I, I don't know, maybe Taryn wants to talk about that part. Yeah, no, that, I would just say that's all accurate and good. And just uh, that it kind of happened just, I wasn't even aware of how, it happened really organically, I think. You, you, you phoned me up and said, or you phoned me up or messaged me and, and you said, hey, I've been writing with Andre and uh, we thought you'd make a good fit as do you want to do some co-writing together? So we started to get together to co-write and we, uh, and so really what happens, we, the, the, we just were wanted to write together, but then yeah. we, we each had gigs that ha were coming up. So we'd invite each other to play on each other's gigs and we did a whole bunch of Nashville rounds, but because we knew each other's songs, we would sing on each other's songs. So when Andre's turn was to come up to play one of his tunes, we all, we knew that those tunes, or maybe it was a song that we'd written together and we started playing on each other's stuff to the, to the point where we thought, well, why don't we just form a trio? Because <laughs> we, cause yeah, every, every, time, every time we play li live, we seem to be playing together. So let's formalize it. So you, you all were doing stuff. I mean, the act was not your full-time occupation. It, it's not what occupied your time. So uh, maybe Andre, you first, what else were you doing in the last five years besides letting the act sort of percolate in the background until it sort of took a major position. What other things were going on for you? Uh, well, I'm, I also, I'm a solo singer songwriter. So uh, I, I, I have, um, you know, I play solo gigs around town and, and I have the Andre Chris band that I played with for years and years. And I've put out um, a couple of records doing that. So that was occupying my time a lot. And uh, I work in a library. That's oh, nice. part of what I do. For, that's my kind of day gig. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so between, you know, those two things and the ACT project, it kind of keeps me pretty busy. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have to make sure that we include links to your other projects, too, in the show notes for people. Sure. Chris, what about you? Well, in terms of other projects, I, I'm, I retired from my job, so... I, I've kind of made music uh, uh, a very central focus of my life r right now. And um, so when we, over the last five years, I was finishing off some courses that I was taking in music production at Berkeley School of Music. I also work in another project, another musical project We with a, with a group of uh, a couple of gals and we uh, do mostly cover tunes, but we focus a lot on three-part harmony arrangements. And then I co-write with other people as well. But the act, I have to say the act is, a, is pretty, is a really important part of 
of the work that I do so in music uh, and given the, the release of the EP it's been a, a pretty central focus for me you have another project going called the Venn Collective Tell that's us correct about that yeah. real quick because that, that's where I first where you first got on my radar is watching you know the videos you post about that Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, what happened uh, with the Venn Collective? It's a, it's a, it's, it's. Uh, I sing and play mostly cover tunes, or but in, occasionally songs that I've written uh, solo uh, with this, uh, with in another trio with two uh, women who I originally met in a choir I was in, and we formed this trio, and we called it the Venn Collective because we wanted to collaborate with other musicians we didn't want it to be just a solo three th- a solely a three person group we wanted occasionally to invite other people in to play with us and for example on the next tune that we're just currently actually after this session with you i got to record some vocals on a tune that andre has agreed to play a lead guitar on so that's the van collective and we put out musical videos yeah. Good, good. Taryn, how about you? I realize we've done some interviews where people will know some of this, but you're going to have unique uh, fans from here. I Yeah, no, I've been just kind of doing a lot of songwriting myself. So I've been doing a ton of songwriting. Uh, I have been working, I went down to Los Angeles to work with a couple guys that are, I guess, kind of in the leagues of... Um, really long-term producers, writers, and engineers in the music industry that a friend of a friend introduced me to do some writing with. One of the guys is 80 years old and been like a big uh, industry name for years and years. He recorded Linda Ronsett's uh, Blue Bayou and has like all these gold records all over his walls, walls and stuff. He's amazing. What is his name? Uh, Val Garay. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I've been doing writing with him and his writing partner because he so so just circling back to partners and writing songs and groups of two or three, those guys have been writing together for 20 years. So I thought that was pretty cool because I saw the same kind of skill like they have complementary skill sets that really works for the sort of team approach and makes the songs better. And then I'm, I come in as a third person. So there's three of us writing these songs the way that I've been doing that project. Um, and then also writing songs on my own and then doing a little bit of uh, co-writing with a few other females. I, I, I tend to kind of write with younger female writers too. They kind of seek me out and I, I never really know what's going to happen with those songs because it's usually for their own projects. Like it's not for my project, like not for my solo project, but for their solo projects. And yeah, that's what I've been doing. So just a lot of different songwriting, but I don't like to spread myself too thin with, with the writing. So I write, I write with, with the Act Americana trio. I write with my own solo stuff. And then I write with a few fem- younger females that, you know, are, trying to establish themselves or themselves. And then I like to co-write for my, I guess for my own solo projects, I like to co-write and write solo. So between that, but it's not like I keep the door open for just writing with anybody, you know, not to be, a, it's not, not a snobby thing. It's just, I just, oh yeah, I can start, I can start feeling when I'm going to have 
too much. Yeah, I've know? interviewed a number of uh, people that are into that whole uh, co-writing scene. I mean, for me, I had never really, I was never really aware of how big it was. It's a, it's like, a, yeah. it's a whole subculture of the music scene where people would rather write with others than by themselves. And then of course you have people that would rather write by themselves with, you know, groups because they just do. They're, they, they don't just turn on the songwriting when they get in a group. Sometimes they're inspiration based. So they just write when it hits them. Uh, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, you just you just can't spread yourself too thin to everybody that shows up saying, hey, you want to co-write? And I know some people that are big in that, some of the world, that they really have to be selective on who they co-write with because th there's only so many much time in the day and in the year, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think if you're just a lyricist, you can maybe afford to be a little bit more you can work with a lot more people, but if you're working on the music and the lyrics, it, you want to be kind of mindful because it, it's just sort of too, it's like, it's like, it's like, it'd be like the akin to like, uh, cooking food in like of all cultures, like worldwide and pretending to be good at all, like knowing all the spices and all like, yeah, I mean, it's it right. impossible. And co-writing co is kind of like, can be like dating, you know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, I've never yeah, heard it put that way, Chris or uh, Andre. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Well, that's good. Yeah, they, yeah, that's that's really true. It, it, like the process has got to be fun. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I've been in some co-writing sessions where I've come out of them, sometimes even with a song. But I've said to myself, ah, I don't know if I'd go back and write with that individual again. But with Taryn and Andre, we always seem to push through. And, the, you know, the cool thing about co-writing is that you don't necessarily know where the song is going to go because it depends on the ideas of others. And so I, I'm always surprised in a co-write situation with the act at where the how the song ends up. And it's it's often not exactly where I thought we were, were going, and it's always a happy surprise. So I've noticed a difference in interviewing people that people that are purely singer-songwriters have different stories to tell about their songs than co-writers. Um, co-writing can sometimes be a Frankenstein experience where you, you all have good ideas, they come together, they... they come up with this wonderful creation um how much of for example uh, well let's talk about the next song and maybe this is a good way to lead into it uh we'll talk about whole lot of living going you know we'll talk about that song how much of that song did did each of you put in that was from your own experiences and things because it's a really good song well, I think I think that that one sort of like it came out of the pandemic, you know, like that was actually a song that we we didn't meet physically at all. Like that was done completely online. Uh, and of course, we like we were all feeling the sort of strains of the pandemic, but we didn't want to, you know, hammer people over the head with a pandemic song. But that's sort of that those were the head spaces that we were in. And I think everybody was feeling like, you know, what's going on? You know, I'm I'm 
I'm broke. Uh, <laughs> I can't go out and see people. Right, so that that was sort of, that was sort of the kind of kind of vibe that that um, that we were going for. But the one thing I could just add to that 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 I I, I, I remembered while Andre was describing it was we 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 wanted to we wanted the, that song to have a bit of a positive. A, a little bit of a positive cap on it towards the end, like that soon we'll be over this and we'll be able to get back to, you know, the things we love and see the people that we love. We didn't want it to, we, we didn't want it to end off on a, a real downer vibe. We wanted to have, you know, we wanted some hope in there. And that's actually one of the things that I like most about, about the lyrics in that. So song. are there any standout lyric lines in the song that are particularly meaningful to each of you? Well, I, I, I actually, for me, it's reminisce about what we miss a cold beer, a warm kiss. Okay. Uh, I, that, the, those two lines I really, really like. I really like the bridge. Like, I don't know. It just like, you know, feels yeah, like this yeah. crazy world. is just yeah, too bad down. Like that, that was just kind of the, kind of the highlight of that okay. song, you know? And it's funny because like, like songs, like whenever you're doing co-writes, uh, they end up being almost like more universal than when you write on your own. You know, like if you're a singer-songwriter, you have that, you can be that insular person, like dealing with a very specific thing that just happened to you. Right. Uh, in a co-write situation, it's almost like, or in my experience anyway, just the because you have three people in, in the room, you kind of get to those universal ideas a little bit quicker, you know? Um, and I think that's what we were doing with this song, like making sure that the lyrics were, um, you know, just sort of like quite precise and, and just so that people could kind of sing along to it um, and, and simple. You know, that's kind of the, the, what we were trying to, to get across. Okay. Well, that's really good. Let's uh, listen to Whole lot of Living. Driving us insane 
feeling too that uh, Andre was referring to in the first song it has that it's that you know I, I can't even replicate the, the the precise rhythm but it does it has that we're moving along vibe that was something that the that Steve Dawson and the hen house expressed were really able to help uh, contribute to the to the to the true the true north as well as to uh to that song so who among you plays what instrument well in that in that last song andre and i each played three different instruments i think um i played uh uh acoustic guitar um i played uh uh, resonator slide guitar and then on the original tune we did I also played cajon which was replaced by dr- actual drum set in the um, in the in the uh, in the song in the version that ended up on the EP and Andre why don't you talk about what you played uh, yeah I think I was on acoustic guitar and then I was also doing I uh, played a bit of keyboard like just little stabs and fills in that so i think that actually made it on onto the final sounds like there was a dobro on the original sounds like there was a dobro in there yeah that that was steve yeah okay actually it was a slide it was a slide resonator and that was me and then steve was playing the electric guitars got it well that slide resonator was cool that really gave it a that gave it the americana feel I think there's probably about five guitars going yeah. on there, and like everybody's, for, we can't remember which one we. Played. Well, you know, it wouldn't be a good country esque type song if it didn't have at least five <laughs> guitars. Honestly, That's I right. played in a country right. band that traveled nationally, and there's never, you never have too many guitars. It's true. <laughs> Only guitar players say that. Well, I That's I played right. keyboards and exactly. keyboards in the band also, so, uh, oh. you know, it was. Uh, yeah, we were never short of having uh, rhythm guitar players. Uh, tough to find the really good lead guitar players that you wanted, but um, yeah, rhythm guitar players was another thing. So, so the music stuff was really fascinating, I thought, and it contributed to that sound that we're hearing. Have you gotten a lot of response from that song? Are you getting feedback from your fans already is really the point. 
Well, we released each of the songs except True North previously as singles. And so for each of those songs, we've had a lot of good feedback. And then on True North, it just, when True North came out uh, on the 25th, it's, my, my sense is that we've had a, a tremendous amount of good feedback. People have really, really liked the song. Yeah, I think one thing that really helped us along is um, um, having our lyric videos for the songs. I, I think that nowadays it's just so important to have some sort of a visual element, um, you know, to music for better or for worse or whatever. And, you know, videos are, can be super expensive to do. And if, you know, you don't have a production budget and stuff, but we just found that these, uh, you know, kind of simple lyric videos just have that visual element that people can relate to especially when it's on social media and that's that's been really helpful and we've had a lot of really positive response from that and so i think we we, we kind of know that that uh, moving forward some sort of a visual element is is super important when you're trying to get music out um these days i want to go back now to some of uh, your your musical roots for each of you um andre tell us what got you into music when you were a kid, uh, or maybe it was later in life. I don't know. Tell us about your musical roots that way. Yeah, I, I, music was always like a big part of my household. Like my my parents were were big music fans, um, and so uh, and and I guess like I started playing guitar at around thirteen, and that's when kind of you know my world kind of blew open. Uh, and, it, you know, when I was a kid, I, I guess I was first, I was like a little metalhead, you know, so I was like Iron Maiden and the Scorpions. And that's that was sort of my uh, um, entry into music in many ways. And then from playing guitar, then I started getting into all the guitar players. So Hendrix and then, you know, Led Zeppelin and Jimmy Page and all those sort of and then that. You know, so when when you're, especially when you play an instrument as a young person, I, I think it's great because you can, you get exposed to different kinds of music just through that instrument, um, and then that led me to the blues. Um, and I used to I went to the University of Winnipeg and I used to do a, a blues show on uh, on CK and W, uh, and then I got into playing sort of jam heavy music and in sort of jam based bands, and I was in a band called Tangle Shack in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, and so I guess like I've always just been um, really attracted to music with um, uh, you know just like kind of you know blues and roots and blues rock and Americana and folk that sort of stuff was really great, uh, but also I like all music like that's really important and um, I, it's like I like two percent of all music <laughs> if that's fair to say you know like that's kind of that's how I kind of kind of go about it but i mean i'm throughout the life like some of those you know the 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 styles of music that have always kept going and informing me and nurturing me have been like you know the the americana roots music styles so any bands uh, that you were in in your teens anything you started as a young musician in well, in when i was in my teen yeah it was all like you know hendrix and and Led Zeppelin and and Sabbath and uh, and then and then then it was into like the Grateful Dead. Like I, I went, I, I saw the Grateful Dead a bunch of times in California. Did you did you try um, and start any bands when you were? Oh yeah, I've been in bands in that age from group, since I mean. I, 
Yeah, I was in a, a band called Huge Fish when I was uh, 15 years old, 16 years old. That was when I played my first professional gig. You know, the names the people Sherry. come up with when they're young are really, there ought to be a book written about them. You know, Huge Fish. I don't know of anybody in my age group that would ever come up with that name, right? You have to be 15 years old to come up with that name. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, so uh, Taryn, what about your roots? I was always a big fan of like any piano playing person. And I'm, I'm like halfway there on my journey. I, I can't seem to get as far along with a piano you, playing. You had as, something of I'm a, like, as a young uh, woman, young girl, even uh, some dance and theater experience didn't you yeah i always did musical theater in my so my roots would be musical okay. theater yeah for sure yeah and then and then yeah i didn't start playing piano until till way later i i wish i had started younger but yeah musical theater so it was it was i guess dance would have been the first route yeah so what part of that experience do you bring to the table when you do your music now kind of improvisational okay good yeah, I'm 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 a real feeler when it comes to music. Like I don't even if I study it a lot whatever I study just doesn't it all goes out the window when I in the moment of writing and that's how I like to kind of let it all go and just Got kind it. of Yeah, Chris. What about your musical roots? What got you going in music as a kid? Uh that's a good question. I, I, like my parents always were big music fans and my mom was a bit of a folky. And, and when I was about 12 or 13, she bought a guitar, which I don't think she ever played it because the strings were about an inch and a half off the <laughs> neck. But I tried to hack around on that. And, and then, and then when I, we we moved a lot when I was a kid because uh, my dad was was uh, his the nature of his job had us moving around a bit and I remember when I was twelve I think was about the first time I ever played in public uh, which it was House of the Rising Sun with uh, with two friends of mine who are still friends of mine on the um, on the back steps of the school that I was in in Cairo, Egypt. We played for the school, House of the Rising Sun. And uh, and then that that basically was the, the, the long and short of my performing career for a long, long time. Uh, I, I always played guitar private, you know, like at home and and uh, was was really influenced a lot by sort of acoustic musicians. Although I did like a lot of rock and roll and and especially loved blues music. But then it's at a certain point as an adult, I got a little frustrated with my guitar playing and uh, decided to s discover whether taking music lessons would actually help me improve. And lo and behold, to my utter surprise, it actually worked and. <laughs> Uh, I, I realized, oh, you can move beyond plateau if you get professional instruction. And so since then, I played in a bunch of du uh, duos and stuff and uh, and then started performing solo. And and uh, yeah. So do you have any music you've released on your own? 
No, I haven't released it. Uh, a couple of my songs have been released by others on uh, by others, but but nothing that I have released personally on my own. That's sort of a project that's uh, you know I'm thinking about, but haven't actually got around to doing because. I'm pretty busy with the act stuff and the Van Collective right, I stuff. I find that when I self-produce, it's really bad. <laughs> if somebody else produces me, it turns out better. And when I produce people, it comes out fine also. But self-producing, I am, I'm my own worst enemy. So that's why I don't have more music out. So uh, anyway, so let's talk about Rescue Fantasy. Who wants to talk about that and the details of it? Well, Tim, yeah. maybe, maybe mention about Dave a little bit. Dave? Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, we, 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 well, the three of us wrote the song and then we brought in a fourth person to help us, I guess, rewrite it. And um, that session went really, really well. I remember it pretty well. Like we, um, I don't know, we were just probably working with, this guy, Dave Pakel, who we brought in as a fourth person, probably for like maybe three hours, one, like one Sunday session. And he just like looked at the, at the lyrics we already had from top to bottom. And he changed the tone and the tense, the perspective of the song lyrics a little bit, and then kind of um, added more descriptive kind of wording. And then three hours later, the song wasn't brand new, but it had been, it was definitely new and improved. And, uh, and then he played piano on the recording of the song. Okay. Now, you know that the whole time you're talking about him, cause he's not on the screen. I really wanted to say, Dave's not here, man. Right. <laughs> Dave's not here. <laughs> I know. He actually, so I'll, I'll plug his podcast really quickly. Cause he's not here. If that makes any sense, maybe, maybe not, but he has a podcast um, called Davidsville where he talks about his music and stuff. And he is copiously or, or prolifically writing musicals right now. And he has worked with some really big, um, mainly female names. Like he's written songs with Alanis Morissette and he's written songs with Amy Skye and um, Reba McIntyre and but robbie oh well yes not not exclusively women but he has written a lot with women um um he's got a really gentle approach i don't don't know if that kind of is why or why not but um he's written songs also with robbie robertson and some other like and oh and then he's played like piano as a session player on all of the acdc and brian adams albums that were recorded in vancouver in canada um, so he's just amazing. He um, did a music degree, um, can play anything. The thing about Dave that's amazing is you can literally play him a song one time. And I, it's just like crazy how he does it. But he hears something once and he can go play the entire thing. It's like a like instant musical memory. Yes. And he has per perfect pitch. Hum a few bars and I'll be able to play it. I, I know what that... Being self-taught, I'm kind of like that, too, after I hear uh, a couple times. Oh, wow. Boom. Well, you can play him a 10-minute long, like, what is that guy's name? Rachmaninoff Rachmaninoff. Or Rachmaninoff, Rachmaninoff, whatever. Like a 10-minute piece, 
and he'll sit down and play the entire thing. Like it's crazy. Well, he's had experience playing classical music because you don't self teach that. Uh, that complexity. Yeah, maybe he maybe he's just kidding me and he has them all memorized from his you're right, maybe, but I don't know. It's weird because he'll yeah, he just has I, I've never understood how Well that's very it, impressive but. to hear that. So yeah, yeah very yeah. good. We 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 considered ourselves very lucky to be able to finish that song and record it with him. It was a real uh a wonderful experience. Yeah, good, good. And I think with with Rescue Fantasy, we were kind of just we we're just sort of exploring, um, you know, almost some sort of like kind of traditional country sounds like um, and I, I just think Dave's kind of piano playing like in a lot of like sort of that older like some, some of those keyboards aren't all that featured in country music, but they are in some cases, you know, and I think that this is really kind of blended sort of well. Um, and kind of got that sort of vibe we were trying to get across where it's kind of um, the, the song is sort of being informed by traditional country music a little bit more than some of the other songs we've yeah, done. Country music needs keyboards too. So yeah, very good. So why don't we listen to rescue fantasy? Here we go. Rescue fantasy. You smile at me and suddenly my star is rising Been waiting for my once upon a time Your faded jeans look to me like armor shining Always dreamed this moment would arrive Baby, won't you be my rescue fantasy What would it take for me To make you come true I pray faithfully I held on patiently I've waited so Oh, no. 
me fairy tales each night Must have heard him one too many times Cause I'm a fool for true romance I got an appetite For nights on steeds and daring deeds And moonlight tower Rescue fantasy You're all I need So let's see Where this could lead I prayed faithfully And now you're next to me I've waited so Such a fun song. That's going to definitely make it on one of the local open mic playlists. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, oh thanks. Yeah. It's great. I love that song. So whose idea was that song? I think I think I might have had the title for it. Um, I, you know, we always find that, like, when we come into a co-writes, if you got a title or, you know, sometimes writing from a title if you got something that's catchy, that'll kind of work and kind of coordinate that. So uh, I, I think, yeah, I think that was, I don't, I think. I think that was your idea, RJ. And then it quickly turned into this idea of, uh, you know, the damsel in distress wanting to be saved by, by some uh, vision of a guy that, and then it, I was always surprised when we wrote that song that, that the vision turned true, right? I was surprised at how uh, in that song ended up with the re the fantasy coming true. I didn't expect that when we started to write it. So how much of that is from personal experience or is it just good song ideas? Well, I think in that song, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, it, we wrote it from a universal perspective, yeah, okay. but I'm sure that it, but I'm sure that like, I know that, that our own experiences influenced the lyrics and influenced how it how it turned yeah. out. Oh, good. I really like that song. And I, I think Dave, when Dave came in and we did the rewriting with Dave, I think Dave suggested like changing the tense and having the ending be uh, like a flip. Or, a, or maybe that was all four of us, I don't know, but we, we had the fantasy come true. So uh, here's yeah. a question regarding rewriting songs. Uh, mm. How many times do you rewrite a song before it becomes good enough for you to record? That's a really good, that's a really good question. It depends on how well we wrote it the first time. But, but <laughs> I, I can say that every song that we write, we go over it numerous numerous times and they even be even just before we record it we go back and we do a line by line uh and and most when we do our line by line edits most of the time we're taking out 
unnecessary words. We're trying to remove every single word that's not absolutely you know, necessary. That's a good point because when I teach young songwriters, and I have, uh, about songwriting, especially when they come to me to uh, produce their record, and I'm listening to the lyrics, and I said, uh, okay, I can tell them up front, it's too wordy. You're just going to miss the point. People are going to glaze over their eyes and, and move on. Uh, and so many of the songs can be wordsmithed and cut down to not be so wordy. Uh, that's the mistake young songwriters make is there's the few songs out there in, uh, in the music world that are very wordy, very successful, and people are impressed with that, but few people can pull that off. And so the songs that really make it most of the time are less wordy and don't have extra filler words in there that you can, you can leave out because you're already implying it in everything else you say in the song. So, yeah, good. Not many people bring up how they trim words. A lot. I think, you know, the, the other thing that um, is so hard when you're a songwriter is that what I find is like I, I totally know what's wrong with someone else's <laughs> song. Um, <laughs> Almost I know where this is going, <laughs> but when you're writing your own song, you don't, you, you know, you don't have that luxury. You miss, you miss the mistakes in your own material. And that's something, you know, that co-writing helps you with, right? Because now you have three minds, you know, able to look at a song, but you'll still miss it, right? Because you're in it. And also because we're also performing it, right? Which is a different kind of skill. So we still like, you know, like we, we miss things or just like, ah, oh, we should have just <laughs> done that a little bit differently. But I mean, that's the part of it, right? That's just the part of the process. A lot happened between when you guys were young and when you all met. Okay. Is there anything in this in-between space that is worth your fans knowing about? <laughs> what, like, what do you, what do you mean? What, 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 what do you mean by in between space? Well, okay. Like, so we've sort of talked about the last six years, five years. We've talked about the early beginnings and there's a whole lot of space in there. I know from interviewing Taryn, there's a whole lot of space there. Uh, I just presume that uh, Andre and you, Chris have a lot of things that went on in your life. They don't even have to be particularly musical that were significant uh, that went on in your lives that fans might be interested in knowing about. Well, I might, I'm, I'm maybe I'll, I'll just say one thing. I, I know it's significant because I think about it and I've talked about it before. And that was, as I said earlier, uh, I retired from my job and I had always told myself that I could retire anytime. The only thing that was, preventing me from retiring was cash flow. <laughs> but, but when I actually realized that I was going to be able to retire in a couple of years, this was about seven or eight years ago, I, I, I freaked out because I realized, like, I, I, it, it, it was just like I felt like I was going to be jumping off a cliff. Right. Uh, I didn't know where I was going to land, and it, and it wasn't. It scared the heck out of me, and I realized I needed something to focus on. And that's when I started to take a bit of more of a deep dive into music production and songwriting. And that kind of saved me because it has meant that in my, re in my retirement, I've been able to... There's so much... The thing about the music industry is that there's so much to it. 
and uh, so it's it's like it's like this mine that you that you can dig in and mine uh, uh, infinitely because there's always something new to learn, and that I love that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The music industry is one of those industries that you can you can start on such a shoestring and the sky is the limit. You know, if you play something, uh, you just need to go get some free software like Cakewalk is free. You can get online and use it. You can, with a, with a cheap mic even, you can come up with some pretty good sounds uh, for vocals and things. Record stuff and, you know, like uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive says, you know, buy a secondhand guitar, chances are you'll go far. If you get in with the right bunch of fellows, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's almost all free stuff you can do on a shoestring. So, uh, yeah, music is a yeah. good thing that is, is a good way to get occupying your time when you, when you think you have no money. The the other thing that I the other thing that I love about the music industry or the music world is that it is so collaborative, yep. right? Given that it's so complex, there's so many different moving parts to it, from the writing to the performing to the recording to the engineering to the production, blah blah blah. I love the collaborative nature of the music world. I mean, I never would have met Taryn and. Andre, who become good close friends of mine, if it hadn't have been for music, right? That was the that was the that was the the thing that drew us together, which is I think is very very cool. Yeah, it is. So let's talk about nothing you can do about that. That's our final song uh, that we have. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess like maybe I'll I'll start with this. Um, this is, I guess, our our song that kind of breaks the rules, you know, like we've that we broke a lot of rules in the song that like, um, you know, might throw people for a loop. But we just it was kind of important to us to kind of do that. So, you know, for one of the things is there's not one singer, you know, we each sort of trade off on a verse, you know, which makes it a little bit different. <clears throat> and then, you know, the, the song sort of ends with like a long sort of vampy sort of jam thing um, and so there was just like these little kind of rules that we broke um, but when we play this song live it's one of the songs that uh, our fans respond to the most because I think it kind of captures the essence of us a little bit you know like where we each get to sing a verse and then at the end we all kind of come together on it and it showcases mine and Chris some of our uh, guitar playing skills um, so it's it just like, it's one of those songs that's kind of, it works really well, like in a live setting sure. and it's sort of like a, it, it's, it's a song where you can kind of really connect with your audience. And that's sort of what, what, um, kind of made it important for us, but it is kind of, it does, it breaks a few rules. I, that's what we like about it. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Anybody else have anything to add? No, just that it's one that's well liked by the crowd, I guess, kind of like a lot of people think it's kind of a sing-along kind of, a lot of people seem to like the song. Well, plus it's a heck of a lot of fun to play too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that resounding nothing you can do about that, people catch on to real quick and uh, can kind of sing along at some points. So good song. Let's do that. It's called Nothing You Can Do About That. 
My luck used to flow like water from a hose. But then the hose ran dry, and my good luck said goodbye. Nothing, 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 nothing you can do about that. Nothing, 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 nothing you can do about that. I used to have the time, but I didn't have a dime. Now I'm in the black. Wish I had all that time back. Nothing, 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 nothing you can do about that. Nothing, 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 nothing you can do about that. I used to have a lover. She loved me like no other. But the mojo left the sack, and now she don't love me back. Nothing, 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 nothing you can do about that. Nothing, 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 nothing you can do about that. Joe left the sack. Now she doesn't love me back. Who wrote that? I, I think that <laughs> might have been me. <laughs> well, I, I think in, in you know part of the, the charm remember. the charm of this song is that we were trying to um, you know be informed by kind of you know like blues yeah, writing sure. where it's very yeah. simple and very universal and you know might even be like 
a little bit on the, on the cliche, but that's sort of part of the charm, you know? So we were trying to kind of go with that sort of vibe. And so, so, you know, we were just had this overarching thing about like money, luck and love, right? That's if you guys don't make a t-shirt or a hoodie with that on it, I mean, that is gold. Mojo left the sack. Now she doesn't love me back. That is the crying your beer. Perfect. Perfect line. Seriously. But you know, it, on a t-shirt. It's, <laughs> it's it, this, this, I, I, you know, now that you mentioned that, uh, Tim, it, it reminds me that this, the lyrics on this song are ones that we went over and over and over. I remember Andre's verse, the verse that Andre sang, we sang it one way for a long time. And one day he just came to us and said, you know, I hate this verse. There's something about this line, these couple of these lines, I can't, yeah. and so we went back and we rewrote them. And then the, the same about same in in the verse that I sang about the mojo thing. I think that had a bunch of rewrites and and Terrence too. It took a while to kind of get it so we were comfortable with. Well, it. Uh, brilliant as far as I'm concerned. So um, that that will probably make it on to the the next one. Sometimes I put two songs from groups or people I interview on the playlist depending on the quality of the song, but. Uh, that's a, that's a fun song and again it's you you do you really have captured that traveling sort of feel there's that uh, the drum thing and the bass going on that gives it that uh chugging like a train and you have that at least three of the songs are that way you know where you really have that so uh well done that is good stuff so and and so at the end of the end of the song where the outro you know the 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 guys were just kind of cooking on that groove you know in the pocket so we just like let let's roll with it and then we just sort of felt that'd be a good way of sort of signing off like our intro ep to the world right. you know like there's more to come and we're just kind of going off into the sunset a little bit so. so something else i notice about your songs um i think there's only one song out of these four that does a fade out the rest, I think, all have an ending. You don't hear that in music nowadays. People always, I don't know how they do their live concerts because all their songs, when you listen to them in recorded fashion, they have something that repeats that they fade out slowly with the fader. You never hear the ending. It just fades, right? You guys have endings. <laughs> that, that, seems like, that seems like a 70s FM radio with the old, you know, the classic fade out. So I, I think Fado, like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of them. Like, I, I like, I like well, endings. if you listen you know? to songs from the 60s, very few songs fade out. Uh, most of the Beatles tunes come up with endings and, and, and just end. And in fact, there's one uh, Beatles song, huge hit, but the ending is so completely lame. He ends it with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was The Long and Winding Road so out of character for the song you know wow. it became a hit not because of the ending i'll guarantee you thank you guys for joining uh local open mic and talking with us about what's going on this is really good music i i have to tell you i just it's fun music it's bread basket type stuff well thanks tim we well, should thank certainly, like thanks for the opportunity of having us on local open mic it means a lot to us mm -hmm. yeah thank you so much tim really appreciate it 
Thank you, Tim. We will talk with you guys later. We'll keep up with you in about a year. We'll do a refresh on an update and see how things are going. I really hope you guys catch on everywhere and just go right up because this is good music. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Take care. And that concludes our interview with the Act Americana Trio. I had a wonderful time talking with Andre, Chris, and Taryn. They're great people. They know music really well. And they have a great handle on the Americana sound. You can become a fan of theirs by simply going to localopenmic.com and following us on the site you're now listening to the podcast. Each of their contact information is in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. For Local Open Mic, I'm Tim Heath, your host. Remember, get up on the stage, step up to the microphone. The world is listening.